Peter Disciple Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of university life and unpack what it means to be a disciple on campus. The You Disciple Podcast. <laughs> Hi, Father Nicholas. Hello. Welcome back. I'm back. You're in I, shock. I had a week off and I forgot how we Who we you are and start. what we're doing here, yeah. I'm Father Nicholas. And Sister Mary Helen. And today we're joined by our good friend, my good friend, Christian Bergman. Hello, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, thanks for being with us. It's been a while <laughs> since you've been on the podcast. It's been a couple of years, in a previous iteration, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> One of my early forays into podcasting that one that well that pick up where brendan's fell down or uh was no it, it was with brendan, brendan i think it was, brendan, it was back yeah. in this in isn't buckler and shield no the pre-buckler and shield days oh. but anyway see i don't even know what that one is <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we're we're if you're not going to world youth day keep listening so this is not just a world youth day podcast if you are going to world youth day hopefully this will be helpful mm-hmm. if you're not if you're a student or a young catholic uh, hopefully you'll find something. No, you will. Because we're talking about pilgrimage. Yes. And the beauty of pilgrimage and the importance of pilgrimage and what it's really why why the church always goes on pilgrimage. Yeah. We, we are a church on pilgrimage. That's it. You're even on it right now and you didn't realise. But we've got, before we jump into that, Christian, you're a husband and father, mm-hmm. two beautiful children. That's right. You want to shout out to them in case they're listening? Uh, <laughs> hello, Anya and Theo. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, so uh, my beautiful wife, Kari, at uh, home, and uh, Anya is turning three on Friday, tomorrow, wow. and Theo is seven months old. Lo- talk about lockdown. She was a lockdown baby, wasn't she? She was a lockdown baby the day before the second big lockdown. Can I, can I embarrass you before we start? Maybe sure. I should have checked this before we hit record. <laughs> Let's go. I remember seeing you the night your daughter was mm. born and I've never, sister, seen so much fear, excitement and joy sort of wrapped up in one human person as watching you that night. Yeah. You could barely speak. You're speechless now. I think the only way to describe a night like that is that it's a completely shattering experience. <laughs> um, and it, it was extra emotional because you have all these emotions well up. And then at the same time, because, I mean, she had to go to special care for a week. And so because it was COVID as well, we weren't allowed there at night. Um, so you have all these emotions. And then at night you have to say, all right. Goodbye. Bye. That's like really hard. Home. Yeah. So uh, definitely one of the hardest weeks of my life, but also one of the most incredible. And three years on. Wow, it doesn't feel like on. three years. No. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, and another baby. Baby Theo. Yes. Yes. So, you know. Uh, neither of them are letting us sleep, but I mean, that's why they call it a path to holiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, lots of us aren't getting sleep at the moment, so we'll... we'll I thought you were going to say lots of us aren't getting holy, but... Uh, <laughs> no, I... Why do, these, why do these podcasts always turn into like an examination of my, my conscience? It's not about you, Father. It's like public chapter of faults. <laughs> so, but we're going to talk about pilgrimage because obviously lots of us are getting ready to go. Mm. And here in the office, we're in the thick of plans and practicalities and air airlines and hotels but at the heart of it is something much much deeper and much richer mm-hmm. christian you just wrote us uh, a great article on 
on pilgrimage. If you had to sum it up, sort of in a you know one liner, <laughs> what would it be? Uh, I look. Let me sum up it in a few lines instead. Good um, idea. So yeah, if why use one line when you can use three? That's right. I'm a writer. Why would I just use one line? Um, yeah. So if if you go to melbournecatholic.org/news, <laughs> you will find an article there on pilgrimage. Um, basically, the idea behind the article was looking at the idea of storytelling and what it is that makes a story satisfying and good as opposed to making a story dissatisfying. Um, and a lot of writers, when they talk about this, and uh, you don't need to be a writer, but a lot of, you know, when you experience a good story, it boils down the essential elements of human life into a more structured, intense, and vivid experience. You're listening to the You Disciple Podcast, where we put the you in disciple. So condensing the entirety of life into a more structured, condensed experience. Mm. Yes, and that's basically what pilgrimage does for everyone who goes on it. It boils down the Christian life into a much more structured, intense experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Because as Christians, we're called to go on pilgrimage through life. Uh, We're not at home here. Yeah, we are about travellers here, Mary McKillop. But um, I liked what you said in the article about how, you know, we like to read or mm. we like to watch movies or to see this because in, you know, an hour and a half or a couple of days, you see someone actually change. And in our normal life, we we don't see the change. Mm. Um, we don't get to watch the speed up until the end um, to know that what we're doing right now is part of a bigger story. And so this idea of going on pilgrimage or going on journeys, it's not purely a Christian sort of idea it's mm. something mm. that we do see in lots of different contexts mm. and in particular in literature and in our storytelling mm. this idea of going from one place to the other and i often say if i had to tell you my drive from the presbytery to the office today it's actually quite a like as a literary device going on a journey in itself is not a very exciting mm. sort of storyline but it is about the transformation of the characters and what happens mm. to the individuals. Do you have a favourite sort of story that you think speaks to us of this idea of pilgrimage? There are, I mean, there's probably too many to uh, choose from. I think the most obvious ones for people would probably be something like Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Haven't seen um, it. Haven't read it. Oh, wow. <laughs> If you could see, oh, that's anathema. If, 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 if you could see the look it's he pain. just gave me, then um, well, <laughs> to tell us more. Yeah. Well, no. I Give mean, me the cliff notes. No, no. I mean, in something like Lord of the Rings, you have all the elements of human life, despite the fact that it's anotherworldly adventure. Um, good and evil, conflict of the human heart, uh, profound decisions to make. And also ordinary decisions and all the smallest ones. But at the heart of it is this journey that leaves the characters changed at the end of it. And that's one of the most important elements of it. Arguably, Lord of the Rings would not have the emotional resonance that it has if at the end of it they all came home and were exactly the same. Mm. Um, Part of the power of the story is that they all come home and Frodo realises he's changed too much to stay there. And so he actually goes off to the Grey Havens. Mm. Sam comes home. And, well, he's actually faced off with hordes of orcs now, so he can actually ask Rosie to marry him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Merry and Pippin are not as 
trivial or, or as immature as they used to be, you know. There's a profound change that happens in them through the journey, which I think is kind of the point of the journey and in, yeah, stories like this. Sounds a lot like The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> they are completely different. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but in the sense that again, Do- Dorothy, Dorothy's on this journey. She's on, and like, if you know, what I mean, we actually see a pathway. Like the the whole journey takes way on a path, and she's in search of something, and she discovers more about herself as she goes along. And when she actually gets to the place that she's really looking for, we realize that the in in the story, it's actually not about her reaching her destination but it's about what she learns about herself yeah as and she goes along and you will find that th- this is why the stories that last and that affect us deeply are all the same in some ex- like they are just about the journeys that change us and that's not the case about every single story that we mm-hmm. read like the example that i bring up in that that's article right. is uh, the crime writer lee child famously he says you know I return to my cigars and whiskey in the evening because I want them to taste exactly the same. <laughs> and th- some people, like with the Jack Reacher novels, mm. there are so many iconic characters like I don't know, James Bond, John Wick, they just don't change. Mm. And that's part of the appeal of them. But they're also not the stories that last and that affect us most deeply. Right. Um, the stories that last are the ones that actually undergo change. And you feel like you've actually changed it by watching it. Yeah. And that's a sort of the, the novel that... Um, you know, Frodo ends up continuing from Bilbo, just that it's called mm. There and Back Again. It's so short, but there's a whole difference that of what it's like mm. when you're there and then when you're back again. You're actually, it sounds like you haven't, nothing's changed, but actually everything changed in the, middle, in the meantime. And I think one of the things about World Youth Day, uh, so traditionally for Christians, pilgrimages have been to shrines, places of veneration of the saints, mm. of the Blessed Virgin Mary, tombs of the apostles, one of the things we saw with the change of World Youth Day and pilgrimage was that for John Paul II, it was about the going on the pilgrimage mm. to wherever and the coming back mm-hmm. rather than going on pilgrimage to a place. So, okay, Lisbon, St. Anthony of Padua is there or St. Anthony of Lisbon, but we're actually not go- preparing to go to Lisbon as a city. It's a pretty sort of non... Well, it's a... It's beautiful, It's actually. a beautiful city, but <laughs> yeah. it's actually not about the city. It is about the transformation, the, the change, mm-hmm. the change mm-hmm. that happens, and on the return. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a really uh, beautiful line in the prayer of blessing of pilgrims that speaks that not only do we take faith to the place that we're going, but we, br- we bring our experiences back mm-hmm. from, f- from our pilgrimage back to the life uh, that mm. we're returning to. And in the... I mean, if... In the history of pilgrimage, there is kind of this tension in the way people talk about pilgrimage because, I mean, pilgrimage just kind of took on a life of its own in the history of the church. But there were some people who were uh, a bit more cautious about the idea of pilgrimage in that they said, look, it's about the heart and you need that heart to be transformed. Um, otherwise, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And so there is the idea of, yeah, coming back again, but being changed mm-hmm. as the point of pilgrimage. You're not a tourist. There was a um a great Instagram quote from Christopher West a few years back when he went on pilgrimage to the Holy Land where he writes, on pilgrimage, your body is so tired that God speaks to the heart. Hmm, that's nice. Mm. And I think there's something really, um, yeah, like it just really struck me. I think, and it speaks a little bit to what you're saying to Christian about like all of the Christian life or all of the life is condensed like once you're on pilgrimage, part of it is that it's normally pretty hard mm. and some of those normal comforts and sort of securities that you have 
food you like, your own bed, being surrounded by people that you know, mm. um, they get stripped away. You generally eat different foods. You're sleeping in different accommodation. You're surrounded by people you've never met before. That All of those experiences that you can normally control are, are condensed into a tight period and you find yourself a little bit tired, a little bit more irritable. But if Christopher West quote is right, and I, I, I think it is from my experience, it actually opens you up mm-hmm. to God speaking to you in a, in a deeper and a newer way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking of, you know, the different stages of pilgrimage. There's before, the preparation, which I think Fulton Sheen says, your pilgrimage is only as good as your preparation. Yeah. Uh, and then during, when you're there, and all of those difficulties and whatever there's there and the distractions or not distractions or what you're doing to really be there. But then they're coming back again because we can't just go off to the Grey Havens like Frodo. Like how do we – and that's sometimes the difficult part of how do I then integrate back in, in um, and share with other people or, or let myself be changed even though the people around me – Haven't been. Well, well have been because we're all on pilgrimage. But, but that – that pe- we have to let each other change and sometimes that's challenging because when we change, our relationships sort of change and we have to adjust, we have to let ourselves grow. Yeah. Mm. That might be one of the good things about going on pilgrimage with other people as well because I remember when I went to East Timor, uh, I, I mean, I went with a few people but when I came back, it was very much kind of going back to my normal life and um, everyone around me had not gone with me, obviously. And it was very difficult to readjust because East Timor very poor country coming back to Australia. It was very difficult to readjust. If you actually go on that journey of change with people that you're coming back with and coming back to, mm. it's a very beneficial experience. One of the uh, – we see this idea of going on journeys and pilgrimage in the scriptures all the time mm-hmm. um, just via the very nature of their lives. The apostles were generally on journeys with the Lord. Uh, the one that speaks to me most is the road to Emmaus because they're, they're going on this journey, they're, they're fleeing, they have this encounter with the Lord and their lives are turned around and they come back, mm. bringing back to a life that wasn't changed. The mm. same struggles and fears and anxieties of Jerusalem were there, but because of what had happened to them and their encounter with the Lord, they were, they were transformed enough to go back in and then ultimately transform the world that they were going back into. Sister, you're talking about pre-pilgrimage being a really important stage. So especially yeah. for those of our pilgrims who are getting ready to go, they're in that. Like we're, what, four weeks to go mm-hmm. until most of our groups depart. Yep. Um, what are you doing? You're getting ready to go to the Holy Land. What are you mm-hmm. doing personally to get ready to go? I'm doing some very silly, like bit weird things. Some good things, but some like not everyone needs to do this. Um, one of the weird things I'm doing that not everyone needs to do is I'm actually learning to sketch because I find if you had to sit down and just absorb a place, you have to be really receptive to the place. Um, it'll make the experience deepen. Because I've got photos of things from other times I've been on pilgrimage, but they're a bit flat. Um, so that's a very random thing, but I'm intentionally like, I need to be ready to receive. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is we're making, um, you know, praying whatever. But going back through the scriptures of where Jesus went and, you know, where we're going to be going and, and getting ready for those encounters with the Lord. Um, and then there's the World Youth Day reality that we know when we go, we're going to be meeting lots of people. So a few of us on our pilgrimage, we're working on like making little gifts and things for the people that we're going to meet. So we're getting our hearts ready to 
you know, greet these other people. Like they're part of that experience. I'm an early packer. I don't oh, know. Oh, wow, you packed. Uh, lots of people. Well, no, but I, I've got a bit of a system before I go to And so in the spare room, I put my, my bag and like as I move around the house and start seeing things that I'm going to take with me, I sort of throw them on the bed in the spare room. Okay. And the, so over the next couple of weeks, the pile will grow. That's nice. And then it will need to shrink. shrink. <laughs> yeah. But for me, there is that that thing of like every time I walk past it, I'm like, oh, it's it's coming. I'm going. I need to be getting ready. But also that moving into a different phase mm-hmm. because – I think one of the big things about being on pilgrimage is not trying to live the life that you normally live, but while you're on pilgrimage, if you've decided to go, if you're going to take this time, the very sheer fact that you've got to live out of a bag, you can use that as a way of sort of going, okay, what am I leaving behind? Mm. Like, what can't I take on pilgrimage? Or what do I not want to take on pilgrimage? Yeah. So that I'm going to get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. And so they're using the packing process and the preparation process to actually really start spiritually going, okay, what, what, how am I going to get the most out of this experience that the Lord's given me? Mm-hmm. See, I'm a night before packer. <laughs> but there's a really important question in there as well for people who aren't actually going on pilgrimage. One of the things I was thinking about recently was, you know, I mean, there's a couple of films, right? If you remember Inception, they have these <laughs> physical tokens, right? Yeah. In which they, like, that reminds them, or well, it's supposed to tell them if they're dreaming or not. Yeah. And there's another film, Memento, where the guy has very short memory, but he inscribes everything on his body. And like he, so that every time he wakes up not remembering, he can look down and he doesn't make sense of anything, but they're supposed to be these identity markers. One of the things I was thinking about was, how do we remind ourselves that we are but pilgrims here? Mm. Like, is there is there some kind of like physical token I can have or or wear on me that reminds me that I was not made for here? Like, that really strips down what's important. Because especially in the experience of becoming a father, one of the things that's really hit me is what's important now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many other things that you thought were once important that no longer are because you have a goal. Mm-hmm. You have a goal. You become a lot more conscious of the goal because you want to witness to that goal to your children. I think um, as priests and religious, we might have a bit of help in that. You'd hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But in in the vows and the promises that we make, Mm -hmm. like I, um, my parents have just moved house and just um, it's been really interesting to see how different people have attachments to different things. And I've sort of uh, was reminded how lucky I am that by the vow or the promise that I made of simplicity of life, the promise of obedience and the willingness and need to be able to pack up and move within a day. Um, So only having a certain amount of things uh, like, okay, I've got more than a suitcase, Mm -hmm. but okay, what if if the bishop asked me tomorrow to go somewhere else? Would I be able to do it? Like how much do I actually possess? But those attachments to different things. So I think Mm -hmm. we're, we're sort of, aided a little bit by by the promises and the commitments that we've made. It's true. That's the point of the vows, right? To to travel lightly, to cling really to the one thing, that choose the one thing is Jesus and then everything else falls away and then you're available for mission. So it is it's it's a very intentional thing. I think one of the things that pilgrimage gives you, um, retreats are similar. Yeah. Um, it gives you a bit of insight into some of those things that you are clinging to mm-hmm. too tightly in this life. Uh, so I suppose for those who aren't going to World Youth Day or aren't going on a pilgrimage in soon, maybe 
how do you in your examination of conscience sit there and go okay is there something that i'm i'm turning to instead of the lord mm. and i think that's the benefit of being on pilgrimage is if that's stripped away from you sometimes forcefully you then you, you see it quite um clearly mm-hmm. in a new way but how do i in my ordinary life in my regular examination in my regular prayer life maybe with my spiritual director sit there and go okay is there something that i'm i'm just a bit too attached to it's true i i, I often refer to this but there's a document called christopher dallas Leachy on the vocation of the lay faithful and i love in there people always get surprised the the pope really calls all people to live the spirit of the of the evangelical councils and it is a really practical way okay how can i live poverty how can i live chastity how can i live obedience in wherever i am whatever stage of life i am they are those little triggers of because you know it'll pinch and that will remind us oh wait a minute i this is not my home and the sufferings of life sometimes remind us that this is not my home you know i can't control the weather i can't control all sorts of things they help remind us this isn't home um but yeah intentionally putting those little guideposts along the way is really helpful who wrote that which pope john paul ii okay Mm. because in lumen gentium as well there's a paragraph in there and and the language of pilgrimage is all through that document but also in one paragraph i think might be paragraph 16 where it says you know in the quest for perfect love you know, let no one become attached to this world because it is passing away. Yeah. And that's in talking about the role of the lay faithful as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, in the world but not of the world, that whole thing, to travel lightly. Uh, this is a – and I'm going back to literature just randomly because there's a, a thought on that C.S. Lewis had in his very weird space trilogy. In the second novel – Okay, yes, Father, you probably haven't read Okay, it. I haven't read that one either. <laughs> okay, but in the Space Trilogy, in the second, he's got all these prelapsarian world, right? So it hasn't had to fall. And there's these people. The temptation is to be on the land because it makes you feel like you're secure. So Adam and Eve, are, you know, the Adam and Eve character are, are floating around on these little islands on the water. And it's determinedly, like, fluctuating. Like, life is not, you can't, hold it and and that's the temptation will you try to hold onto the land and and control the world or will you just let life happen it's an interesting idea and so christian in your article you speak about the camino de santiago which i've obviously done a few times sister one of the things about that that i love is that once you start you can do it without a guidebook Mm. uh there's these yellow arrows painted Mm. on the road and each day there is this just, okay, I'm going to follow the arrows. Like I'm, I'm actually even going to give up, which for me, which wouldn't surprise any of you who know me, like give up that control of being able to control absolutely everything in my day where I just get up in the morning and I'm just going to follow the arrows yeah. to where they take me. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I think that speaks to our human life. And so we go, okay, what are the guides? Like if, if life is a pilgrimage, if we're going on a journey – what's the yellow arrow like what's the thing that you are allowing guide your path Mm. rather than you trying to know it all all the time and the arrow is pointing somewhere right yeah so you want those arrows that are pointing in the right direction (laughs) so on the camino there's always the crafty shopkeeper who comes out (laughs) and he he has like a cafe or a restaurant just off the path Uh so he'll put so every now and then you'll get to a point that'll have arrows going in two directions Uh. 
So you've got to discern and sometimes you you do wander off the path uh-huh. and then it's like, how do I find my way back onto the path? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you follow the right guide, if you've got that, that right sort of direction, you will reach the destination that you long for. Mm-hmm. Christian, literature says so much to us about these journeys. Have you got a... F- okay, obviously Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. Have you got a, a favourite sort of journey in literature i don't know if that's a fair question <laughs> <laughs> what's another good one <laughs> um when i was studying uh i really really enjoyed the odyssey mm-hmm. i homer classic yeah uh, and again there's that element there of the there and back again i mean odyssey is obviously a sequel to the iliad but it's about his journey home more than anything else, and how he's changed along the way and how he doesn't prove to be the best man in the world along the way as well. <laughs> um, but he's, he's returning home. Um, and, yeah, that just speaks to life. We're not just going somewhere, we're actually returning home. Mm. We're being called home. So we've spoken about preparing. We've spoken about, okay, being on journey, mm. sort of shedding the things that you hold on to and allowing the pilgrimage to speak to you. And now we're at the coming home. Like, what is it, sister, that you hope for the pilgrims of Melbourne as they go to World Youth Day and then they return home to the church here in Melbourne? Well, I thought it was interesting what Christian said earlier about the gift of being able to go together. Um, And we've put actually a lot of effort into making sure as we go together, the groups that we're in are really possible to maintain back home. Um, And so that would be a great hope that we could continue the Christian journey together. Um, and, you know, instead of sort of coming back feeling a little bit out of it that I've had this experience I can't share, I've got a group to share it with, but that also I've got I've got something to share with other people, that there's a confidence that comes with that. And I think there is something about re- re-enlivening sort mm. of our local parishes, our universities, our schools, our communities. Yeah, just our like, city, yeah. Um, in, in many ways, going on pilgrimage, and there is always a financial sort of cost and a buy-in, but the church buys in. Mm. I mean, there is an investment, and this isn't a guilt trip, but it's a truth. <laughs> like, the church is investing in these young people of Melbourne going to World Youth Day, mm. and not blindly, but with that great hope and trust that they will come back and they will share with everyone that they encounter the, the joy that they've had while they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking with some little people yesterday, little primary school kids who I've got helping make things for World Youth Day pilgrims overseas. And I said, look, if you help me make these, I'll go over and I'll trade with them and I'll bring them back to you. But I'm really just planting the seeds so that in three World Youth Days, they're all they're, there. They're ready to yeah. <laughs> but they just love that idea. They had never thought about it. Oh, there's other people over, you know, other Catholics over the world from different places. What's their experience? So, yeah, there's a little bit of that. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah. It'd be really nice as well when the pilgrims come back to see what kind of yeah if the communities can be really supportive of them and that you know what what dreams they're going to come back with like what what passions are going to be um, set in their hearts for when they come back and how are people going to come up to them and say all right how can I help you like yeah. you know what can we provide for you like, how can we make this come to life and there is that there's always that challenge of pilgrims come back from World Youth Day and it's like well what can we they, now they can read at Mass. No. Like, we sent you to World Youth Day, now you have to read at Mass. <laughs> and so that's one of my hopes, is that the church in Melbourne, 
does that, Christian, that it's, okay, it's not just what do we get out of you when you come back because we invested in you, but, like, what have you got to offer us? What can we offer you? How can we continue uh, on this, like, the pilgrimage of faith as the church who the Vatican Council speaks of as a, as a pilgrim people? This is the You Disciple podcast. For more information on what's happening on a campus near you, go to udisciple.melbournecatholic.org. We got through the whole episode without me mentioning Finding Nemo once. Well done. <laughs> Until now. Until yes. now. Good job. You mentioned Homer and... Um, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis and I mentioned who wrote Do- Dorothy and <laughs> Finding Nemo. But there is there's lots of there's lots of modern sort of takes on on this whole pilgrimage motif. That's what makes the story good. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting time here in the church in Melbourne with so many young people getting ready to go on pilgrimage. But I think hopefully today has encouraged others to sort of think about okay my life as a journey like where where am I going Mm -hmm. and if you know someone who's going if you're not going and you know someone who's going a lot of a lot of the pilgrims are taking little um, prayer intentions with them so that we feel like we're really carrying everybody with us and it's a beautiful thing to do get yourself on the list (laughs) I think one of the the biggest lessons I've learned especially from working in the Camino uh, especially when it comes to discernment as well is that one of the things being on pilgrimage does for young people is it gives their life destination, gives their life uh, meaning. Like at least for this period of time, I know uh, yeah. what what my life is for. Mm. And that then gives each day purpose. Mm. So I get up each morning and I put my shoes on and I go walking. And mm. I think it's, it's the same on World Youth Day. You know, You know what you're working towards. And that... That includes the three, six, 12 months before that you're preparing. Like, mm-hmm. So I think my encouragement would be, whether you're going on pilgrimage or not, that whole idea of really sort of setting your eyes on what the purpose is, what the, what, what the destination is, where you, where you desire, where your, what your heart desires, and then you will find the meaning mm-hmm. each and every day to do what you need to do. And if you look through Pope John Paul II's really early messages on World Youth Day, that's one of the things he was responding to in even establishing World Youth Day. He saw a crisis of meaning mm. and so many young people flocked to Rome and around the world. He saw that crisis of meaning and they were responding to it. And he pointed to Jesus and you will find in him the deepest meaning of your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully pilgrims can also experience that for the first time. It's true. And then, I don't know, this is a kind of random, but going with our reality of these little yellow arrows and where, how do we know where we're going? Well, the pilgrims themselves have changed. You become that little yellow arrow for the other people around you, you know, like you point somewhere and um, people can look that direction a little bit more. It would be a, a grace. The pilgrimage we make each and every Sunday, each and every day, mm. uh, if, we're, if we're lucky enough, I think, is the pilgrimage to the altar. Which is like you don't have to go far to go on pilgrimage. Each and every each and every day when we go to the mass, we get, we have to prepare ourselves. We have to then make that journey. We then have that deep encounter with the Lord, and then we're sent out mm-hmm. once again to bring others back in. So I think if you can't get far, 
Just go deep. <laughs> go, go deep. Thank you, Christian. Oh, thank you. Uh, best regards to your lovely family. And we yeah. look forward to having you back. <laughs> Anytime. Oh, yeah, there you go, Father. Keep, uh, keep all of our pilgrims in your prayers over the next few weeks as they prepare to go because I'm sure they're praying for you. Thanks, sister. Thanks, Father. God bless. Bye. Whether you've been listening to us on the tram, in the library, or on your way to class, thanks for listening to this week's You Disciple podcast. Share, like, and subscribe, and we hope to see you on and around campus. Disciple Podcast is a production of the Catholic Archdiocese of Melbourne.